You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast brought to you by ascully.com. And here are your hosts, Ace Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, Sid Talk. Hello. Um, who is she? Who is she? Who is she? <laughs> no one will know that reference hardly. It's an old one. You have to it's be very British. obscure. <laughs> it is an old... Big Brother reference from many years ago when Nikki was in the dark in the diary room asking about somebody who just joined the cast, the show. It's not we're talking we're not talking highbrow entertainment here, and that's sim part of the before the after the show discussion. The other part was looking up your movies, me not coughing as much. Oh yeah, my Sim um, had a plant growing out. I'm of her pleased head. to announce that Sid Talk is not. Going to cough this. Or maybe I, she is. There, as, there I, you go. as I turn to clear my throat. Oh no. <laughs> I need to cut that out. <laughs> Not for my benefit. Huh? You can cut it out of me if you want. So, uh, this is after the show. We, it is Saturday, April the 7th. It's after the show 525. And the, we're our movie review podcast. And this week's movie that we're going to look at is Ladybird. It's a 2017 movie. You can get it on Blu-ray now. It's rated R, and it's from our friends at Lionsgate. And uh, it was nominated for five Oscars. Unfortunately, did not win any Oscars. But Sid Talk will give you the synopsis of Ladybird. The synopsis is a coming of age of a teenage girl. You it's assume a, these we're people have seen A, a coming of is. age story is about a person who's young, and they learn some things about life through some various different tools and writing techniques and uh and they have some sort of little arc that they they come from being a child to being a little more of an adult and our ladybird slash christine is now the subject of this particular coming of age story so uh you first here um you can go on your opinions of ladybird i really enjoyed it i do not quite understand the fervor about it the things I really dig about it is that it's honest, fairly honest. You know, when people say things to each other, it doesn't necessarily mimic real reality, but a version of reality. We would all like to have this sort of weird openness where your mother just says to you, you're not getting into that college. Basically, you're an idiot. Right. You know, <laughs> it does happen in different versions. That's what I like about it. It's just, it's straight up, straightforward. It's just that I don't get the... It's still super fantasy-oriented, you know? It's not It's not grounded in a thing. I think some people might get the impression like, oh, it's just so real, this girl, you know? It's just not really. It's very contrived. Borderline pretentious occasionally. All of this I'm saying with great love and affection because I really enjoyed it. Like, a lot. A lot. Yeah. However, I can see the flaws... You didn't see why it's... Nah, I don't want to say these words because they're going to sound really condescending. But it's like a starter movie. That's pretty happens condescending to, of you, though. <laughs> it just happens to be well-made, well-done. What's her name? Gertie? Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig. She's surrounded herself with people. Whoop. There's my phone. Ding now on. that is irritating. <laughs> I'm wondering. What's my mother? <laughs> she can't print a freaking thing off of her computer. So, you know. Okay. She surrounds herself with people who do know, and she does too. I'm not, her writing is good. She approaches it with sort of a head on. This girl is just kind of bold and blah. I like that. 
but she's also surrounded herself with people who know how to put together a well-constructed film. And right. that's where it elevates it a lot. And yet it's super, you know, it's flawed. It's, it's this- not super moving to me. I don't walk away going, oh, that's so like, oh, love it. Love it. I'm not like that. Do you relate to, uh, does it? Is it anything like your childhood, or can you see any of your traits in this character or any of that when you were that age? Not really. <laughs> Did you no. know any girls like that? Or um, No. Like it was... I mean, this character... That's the thing. Like, describe her. That's, what, that's where it becomes pretentious, is we're trying to make her into almost like a Rome, uh, Napoleon Dynamite. She's... Uh, kind of a off to the side person. That's who, why I mentioned that earlier, right? Um, she, she's kind of everything in one person throughout the movie. That's how it felt to me for her. There's all manner of things coming, you know. All and, and yes, people do change over the, especially when you're that age. You kind of one one minute you're into this, and another minute you're into that, right? Yeah, but it's like it's trying to get her to heart to. It's cramming her into these slots where, you know, I'm going to abandon the best friend because someone else is cooler. I'm going to try to be something I'm not because my mother keeps telling me how poor we are. I'm going to try to get into these colleges because I don't want to be like my mother. Those are all tropes. There's nothing new about any of that. And it also doesn't feel natural from the time we meet her to her then abandoning her best friend. That's completely, it didn't make sense at all. Because she wasn't that person. You know, She, mm. we weren't presented with that. There was no hint of her wanting to be anything different. She was embracing who she is to a degree, mostly. So that kind of thing just felt a little bit like, of course she's going to, you know, want to be with the cool kids all of a sudden. But I don't know. I didn't, I didn't buy that part as well. Maybe because the rest of her was so well written that she would just own it. She wouldn't be that. She'd be like, you know... From the Heathers, you know, <laughs> Winona Ryder. She just it, is who she is. She digs the, her friends and that's it. And Yeah, I guess people the, who haven't seen this movie have to understand what this character is, pretty much. She is a teenage girl. Uh, see, that it is an issue I also had. Cersei Ronan, who plays her, is not a teenage girl. <laughs> no. So, when, so Cersei Ronan's a 24-year-old woman. So, like I said, yeah, she's in a Catholic schoolgirl outfit. But I kept getting the, oh, she's a woman in a schoolgirl outfit vibe from it, uh, along with a lot of the other actresses. In Me it. too. And then I was like, this is a bit weird. Like, the, nobody seems to be the right, nobody's a high schooler here. So that was a, I had a little problem with that. But then how do you, I mean, do you hire high schoolers to make it? Oh, you know, it's weird that though, isn't it? When sometimes you can get actors and actresses who are on the edge of looking, oh, maybe they're a kid, maybe they're an adult. But these are not on the edge. They're way past, aren't they? No, <laughs> not way past. But, I mean, she, like I said, you know, women develop. There's a line. There's a little phase in there between, uh, you know, girlhood and womanhood. And parts of your body develop. And the way you are and the way you move. And no matter how much you f- try to force yourself to be bouncy and teenage-y, um, it just isn't quite, not quite there. There are times when she sits with her shoulders down and her feet kind of pointy and slumpy, and it's to, you know, I think intentionally give that sort of ragdoll, little girlish thing, and it feels like, uh, don't have to do that, just don't, don't force it. But right. it still, it wasn't distracting all the time, it just was kind of 
there. There's not I kept really... thinking, are we, are we, pa- are we, how old are we saying she is? And then they're like, she's a senior. I'm like, yeah, even then. Yeah, there's not really much to spoil in this movie, particularly. To, to cover the age thing, the mother could have put a line in there, which would have also added to her lack of confidence in the girl by saying, well, you missed second, well, you had to redo second grade and then you had to redo fifth grade because you never paid attention. Then we would say, oh, well, she's at least 20. Right. Even though, she, you know, something kind of thrown in there like that. I don't know, that sounds... I'm not rewriting the story. I'm just saying that. Well, they do make it clear how old she is. And then, yeah. yeah, that was a time where I was like, well, I'm having a hard time believing she's that old. And even though like the, the uh, director made sure she had her acne on display, a real life acne. So she looked younger, I guess. But you know, you can have acne at any age, right? Yeah. <laughs> you could be 45 and still have acne on your face. So that doesn't really work. So what would you classify this movie as? Is it a comedy? Is it a drama? Mm, I wouldn't classify it. Is it a comedy and a drama? I'm not classifying it. No, all right, I'll classify it then. So I'll classify it <laughs> as a... I think it's more on the drama side than the comedy side. Because I don't think it's particularly... I wasn't laughing a lot, you know? Right. Was you? I did like. Well, I did laugh quite a bit, yeah. I found some of the situations amusing. I think the trailer for this movie tries to sell it as a funny movie, but I think it's just got some funny lines and stuff. I mean, funny situations. Is it that, that you don't that, identify with the moments, the characters sort of living the things that I would find funny? Right. Maybe. You know what I mean? Like you're removed from it. It's a very personal kind of comedy at times. It's almost like you have to be, have to have been the person, the type right. of person. Yeah. It's highly, it's one of those movies you pretty much have to identify with her or the mother on a high level, I think, to really get it. It's not sort of universally. I mean, I don't identify with them, but I get it. I mean, I get what they are. Well, were you like her when you were a kid? No. Right. <laughs> and neither was I. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, did you have anything in common with her or the mother? Nothing in common with the mother. Yeah. Nothing in common with her, really. But I understand that type of person. But there again, the type of people, like what she is, it's a little bit too much. She's like everything. Like, I've, I've, I see little bits of other people that I've met in my life in her, but she's a lot of... She's a, Which, the mom or the daughter? The daughter. Okay. She's like, you know, people I've known at school and stuff, but she's a little bit too much. There was never anybody that... You know, when she said, there's a bit where she, there's a lady giving a lecture about abortion. Yeah. You know, like what she says there in that scene, there's nobody in school that would just pipe up like that. I mean, you somebody know? might, but yeah. Yeah, in my life, there, I wouldn't imagine anybody, you know, it's kind of, it's very movie-ish, that scene, isn't it, you know? Definitely. And there are a lot of things like that in this movie, where it's, it's not realistic, but there again, there was there were times in the movie where I was like, this is kind of realistic. There's a time where she's losing a virginity. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> that one time? Yeah. Or that, that other one, time? That one time where it <laughs> happened. Um, I felt like, be pretty realistic. She's with this, like, dude who thinks he's so cool. I know. Oh, my and God. And there are many dudes like that. I've known dudes like that. You probably have. Yep. And they're up their own ass, and they they know they feel like they've got everything figured yeah, out. They like, read one book on socialism, and now they understand yeah. the complete social construct of all of humanity. And by buying that cell phone, you are a you know a, yeah. you're buying into the whatever, whatever. You know, so yeah. like they they think they know everything, and they're like eighteen years old, 
and <laughs> she's attracted to this one. You know, he's a musician as well. And the way he was acting is very realistic, I think, of a guy like that. How he was kind of like, well, she's losing a virginity with him and it, it ma- means a lot to her and it didn't really mean nothing to him. Like, And there was a couple of like moments with the mother where she interacts with the mother. Oh, yeah. Like a rebellious teenager, how they just say whatever come, whatever's in the on the edge of the mind, it just comes out of the mouth. And it does a lot when she's speaking to the mother. And you can see that relationship with the mother is um, kind of a love and hate at the same time. Like, you're just the most Definitely. irritating thing ever, but I love you. You can see that. You know that scene where they, well, it's probably in the trailer, the one where they shop in for clothes and she's like, I, you know, they're having a bit of an argument and then she's like, oh, I love that dress. Like, where they can flip on a dime. Correct. You know, and there are relationships like that. Do you know any people who were like that with the mothers when they were younger? Oh, I was terrible with my mother. So you was I remember one time on the way to school and she was saying something and our personalities are quite different. You might find things that are similar, but our personalities are actually quite different. She's quite sensitive and... Well, at one point she said something and we're on our way to school and I believe I was a senior in high school, same age as this. And I said, you just think you're fucking Mother Teresa. You can't do anything wrong like that. Oh, nice. She just drove me on to school (laughs) and on to work. I don't remember ever what came of it. See, that sounds like a scene from this movie. Right. And I didn't have any, I may remember it because that's what I thought. And I occasionally still do. So you see, I'm 50. And I still think my mom always wants to be the peacemaker and the, you know, she doesn't want to be the one to ruffle the feathers and all that. And I'm not that person. I'm highly confrontational and I don't give a shit about what anybody thinks. And so I still think that about her. But in that moment, I was 18 and whatever the reason was, it just boiled up and out and that was it. I mean, nothing else was said. But my mom's mom, my grandmother, was very severe with her, like real bossy and controlling. And like my mom said, I still remember standing at the kitchen doing dishes and my mom smacked me for what I have never figured out. My mom's 76 and she still doesn't know why she got smacked. You know, she was a teenager. Right. And so I think my mom went the other way with all of us. There's four of us. And she's just like, I just don't have any right to tell you what to say or what to think. And so even if I don't like it, you might be right. <laughs> maybe maybe I am, you know, whatever. So I had a very different... My mom was not passive-aggressive like this lady. But this lady was wonderful. I loved this mother. I thought she was absolutely amazing. Like, the way she did it and the, the balance of her and the girl and the life that you don't know a whole lot about. No. I mean, yeah, you don't see the home life. Right. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know ever what's ever really gone through my mother's head and what she was going through whenever I was telling her she was being Mother Teresa. You know, I mean, you never really know the other person. But this mother, I just thought she was like. You do make a point a couple of times to show that she's very kind. Yeah. Because she gives a a gift to a work colleague. But she's more kind, like, oh, to other people. Mm -hmm. To other people. Than she is to the daughter, who she's very kind to as well. She just isn't that kind of kindness. Then the brother's girlfriend, when she says, I admire your mother because she took me in when. You know, so she's kind, but like... Demanding of the daughter. Yeah. Or super disappointed. Either she's so disappointed. <laughs> we There's no... You can't really crystallize what it is. But it bothers her because we know near the end. We know. I do like how the dad is kind of like the soft kind of dad. Like she's daddy's girl and he is 
you know, do anything for my daughter. Kind I don't of like that, that because the mother points out, you always have to be the nice guy. And that's what I really like that she pointed it out because that is how he is. And when she was that one time when she was like, oh, and you, do you want your dad to come in here and blah, 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 say whatever he has to say? And then she's like, it probably wouldn't come in here because, yeah. you know, but they, they pointed that out, like the relationship with just a few lines of dialogue, you understand them. You understand what, where, yeah. dad sit, where dad sits and where she sits. It's not like a, a massive plot-driven movie. You know, it's not, there is not great, great things don't really happen, do they? I mean, it's not, it's just a character piece. It Absolutely. It concludes with not really a spoiler, or maybe a spoiler, um, with her going to college. That's the end, really, isn't it? I mean, it's like a, a journey. Like, she starts, she's got aspirations to go to a certain college. I think going to college is inconsequential. It's more about what she's learned about herself. Yeah. Which could have happened in any situation, but getting away distance is often the best cure. Yeah. And the, you know, there's some emotional scenes. The scene with the mother driving away at the airport mm-hmm. is pretty emotional. But then not being able to actually fully drive away. I love that. Yeah. This was off a best picture, and we've seen most of the other best pictures so far. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know why, like you, I don't know why it's so celebrated. Because it's not out of the ordinary to me. Yeah. I've seen a lot of films like this. It doesn't stand out. Between any of those other films. Saying that, it's not a bad film either. It's an entertaining, you know, it's a very short film. It's like less, well, it's 90 minutes. But um, it felt short to me. Did it, you? No. It felt felt well-balanced, well-timed. Let's move on to the cast here. Cersei Ronan plays Lady Bird McPherson. Uh, She is great. I really like her. But like I say, in this movie, she's a little bit too old. For the role. Does it ruin it? It doesn't ruin it, but... And there are moments when it's fine. It's just because you're so aware... I'm just aware of her. Yeah. And what they're trying to pull off in this sort of semi-naive, self-absorbed teenage girl. Right. With what's going to be blossoming into a, you know, a little bit more self-aware college-age young lady. And the line is a little bit too, too narrow there. But um, as an actress, I really like her. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. It wasn't her fault she wasn't 18. <laughs> no. The age makes no difference with the <laughs> acting. Also, she's an Irish actress, and she does a pretty good job of covering up an Irish accent. Very well. Yeah, very good. Uh, Laurie Metcalf plays Marion McPherson, the mother. You probably have more to say about the mother than I do. Why? Because uh, you really liked her, I think. I did? Yeah, I thought she yeah. was... Well, I mean, I like Laurie Metcalf. Metcalf. Calf? Anyway. Metcalf. Metcalf. Um, obviously from the days of Roseanne, and then we saw her on Louie, where she was just amazing. To be honest, that's all I've seen her in, I think. Maybe a couple other things, but yeah, I thought in this, she did the exact right... The dialogue that she gets is just... It's like hateful-ish. I think it's hateful to remind your children how much money everything costs. I just think it's rude, because they didn't ask you to be born. She does do so to that. constantly <laughs> tell, and I, yeah. but I, but then on the other hand, I understand because obviously once we get to the point where we're like, well, Dad's had depression for a long time, and now he's been fired, and all this other stuff, and then the brother, we don't know his story, but he looks like he could have been in trouble in the past. You know, he's settled down now, but yeah, and Mom has to be the bad guy. Mom works double shifts at a psychiatric hospital, which you know adds to her un- awareness of people and troubles and all that kind of stuff. 
but it's just right on the edge of her constantly to remind her, the daughter particularly, how much everything costs and don't use two towels because it messes with my whole thing because then I have to do laundry before I go to work and I'm like, it's a towel. Yeah, Jesus. but I mean, that's the kind of character she is. But. I know, but I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm reacting to this character yeah. like, what are you talk? What are you even talking about? Like, it's really hateful. It's like trying to constantly, you know, I don't even know what. Like, if you're setting her up to fail, and then you're disappointed because she doesn't succeed, it's like, uh, you know, but she pulls it off perfectly. Perfect. Uh Lucas Hedges, who we last saw in Manchester by the Sea, plays Danny O'Neill. He was a love interest for Lady Bird at the beginning here. What do you think of him? Yeah, he was good. He's I mean, a- he's a teenage boy, and he gets to be kind of goofy and cute and sort of lovey-dovey. and Gets to do... Uh, just one scene where he's a little more intense, so he's good. Yeah, I liked him. I liked him in um, Manchester by the Sea as well. He was also in something else, but I'm blanking on it. Something we saw after that. But yeah, he d- is good here. Tracy Letts plays Larry McPherson, the father. Uh, I don't know him. Do uh-uh. you know him? No. No, and she was talking as though, oh, yeah, you've seen him in so many different things as this, that, and the other, but you've never seen him so mild and soft. <laughs> I'm like, I don't I even like, know I who he really is. seen him in anything. <laughs> um, but I liked him. I liked that character. I liked the relationship between Lady Bird and the mother and Lady Bird and the father is an entirely different relationship. And I like that you saw that on... A few occasions when she, when she, he stood outside the door and knocked, and she said, "Come <laughs> in, Dad." And he said, "How do you know it's me?" And she goes, "My mum never knocks." Right, exactly. You know, you can tell the kind of difference between the two people. I really liked him, uh, Timothy. Yeah, Sh- I'll tell you why you liked him because you would be that kind of father, and it would, would drive me fucking bananas. <laughs> so we'd be these two people, wouldn't we? I would not allow. <laughs> My husband to be the no name, no fucking, no words, no input kind of person if we had children. Because I think that that's weak. I don't particularly care for that kind of parenting, whether it's the mother or the father. Because you brought a person into the world. They're not here to be your best friend, be your little cuddly toy, and to just constantly think how wonderful you are. Because it's a lie. You're not wonderful all the time. And to be like, well, I just don't want to upset anybody. Ugh. I don't like that. So, no, wouldn't have flown. So it's a good thing we don't have children. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> we would have learned very quickly about my distaste for that kind of parenting. Um, Timothy Chalamet, who uh, plays Kyle Scheibel, he's he, he's actually the other Oscar-nominated best picture, Call Me By Your Name. He's the guy who plays in that one, too. He plays the, um, you know, <laughs> when you saw his dad. You know, when you actually saw his dad when she left the house. Yeah. You could understand why he is like he is, right? Because his dad was just an older version of him. We didn't see his dad. He sat in the chair as she left the house when she lost her virginity at his house. He's not like him. Yeah, he's like one of those kind of like, you know, artsy kind of literary. How, how did you pick that up from a guy sleeping all around in? him? Oh, right. Well, I didn't pull on that. Yeah. Well, anyway, he's this, uh, you know, I said what this kid was earlier. He's mm-hmm. like the, he's like the cult, he thinks he's cultured and he thinks he knows the world and he likes to read French poetry, <laughs> and, you know. Yeah. What do you think of him in here? I mean, it's not in a lot of scenes, to be honest. But. No, he's fine. He did what he, he wasn't like overly, you know. The scene, that scene where I said where they're in bed, where they, that scene I thought was pretty good. Because it felt like a real yeah, it was. conversation between two young youngsters. And then finally, I put down Be- Beanie Feldstein as Julie, her friend. 
I kind of didn't like the part where she just ditched her friend. Like It didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense. Mm-mm. No. And I was like, oh, is this just something girls do? But then it's like, it felt like too hard. Like the writing was trying to go, oh, well, I've tried being this kind of girl. So now I'm going to be this kind of girl for a bit. Like I'm going to hang with this cool yeah, but sexy there were, Yeah, but there was no like preface. There was no leading up to it. There no. was no seeming her actual desire was to be her own self. Like she's named herself Ladybird, and she and jumps she out of the car to... on her on the way down the road, and she wants to go to a different school, and she's not trying to be like or with anyone. And then all of a sudden, we just sort of slip into it. Like here's the cool girl, and I want to hang out with her now. Yeah, and to what end? It didn't seem like she I'm had. Just... And the scene where she was like, like seemed concerned that she wouldn't be a friend anymore. I was like, you don't, at the beginning, you didn't seem like the kind of girl who would even ever talk to this girl. Exactly. This, this cool girl, you know? Exactly. So yeah, I, that was a bit of out bothered of- me. And they've kind of like <clears throat> how her friend, how on prom night, she's just a friend again. She goes around and, oh look, we're friends again. Like that <laughs> Well, whole, that does happen with teenage girls. It does, but that, it didn't. I was like, oh, maybe, is this how it's supposed to be? But it did feel disjointed to me. There again, I liked the girl who plays Beanie Feldstein. I mean, the girl who is Beanie Feldstein. She's good, but... That whole, far, that whole part, fart, pardon me, <laughs> felt a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, it's directed by Greta Gerwig. We, uh, she actually starred in The House of the Devil. Do you remember that film? It's a pretty cool 19... It was like a horror film that was made to look like it was made in the 1970s and it was kind of lost. Do you remember? What was it? House of the Devil. Oh, yeah, it wasn't great. No, I can't, I, I always remember the opening shot of it where she's walking across that campus and then the House of the Devil comes in the middle of the screen and it looks like a 19, it really looks like a 1970s movie. Yeah. Um, it had that, like almost like you've found a 1970s movie that you've never seen and you're seeing it, but it's actually a new movie. But she was from that movie, and it always sticks in my mind. I don't know if it was great or it wasn't great, but I do remember it. <laughs> she was also in Greenberg with uh, Mr. You know, Zoolander, Ben Stiller. And she was in Arthur, yep. the remake of Arthur. Sadly. Which, yeah, sadly. Um, what do you think of Greta? I think she did a fine job. I think she did... This is a first Yeah, directed. she wrote it and directed it, yeah. and I think that it comes totally from her heart. Yeah, I do and too. And telling the story of these people is genuine. It's just that it's not, it's got that sort of like clump togetherness instead of the overall, um, the journey of the person doesn't feel completely stuck together to me. I don't know what technical term you'd use for that. Choppy? <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. All right, so uh, there are some extras on this Blu-ray. There's just two, actually. The audio commentary with Greta and her cinematographer. And there's also Realizing Ladybird, which we watched, which is just your standard, like, 20-minute um, behind-the-scenes yeah. kind of thing. I mean, it's nothing special. I mean, you get to see her talk a little bit, but... Yeah, it's pretty standard. But that's it for extras. And like I say, with any of these movies that are Oscar-nominated, they try and get them out quick, so they generally don't have any extras. So it's lucky that it actually has the commentary. I'll listen to the commentary this week and let you know what it's like. So, uh, conclusions on uh, Ladybird. Is it your best picture of the year? It is, is it not. Your... It is an enjoyable um, little, little, I mean, uh, I don't know. It's enjoyable. I like the story. I like the girl. 
the story of this girl and her mother. Um, that's about it. I don't walk away going like, oh, you know. No, it's it's like deep, intensive lesson about life or anything. No, it's not like that, is it? It's that's why I. It feels like it wanted to be, though. Yeah. You but, know, and there are definitely some flaws in it with the way it's written. Not the the plot. Like I say, that whole thing about a friend, it really didn't sit right for me. And sometimes it just feels like it's kind of floundering around, like from scene to scene, you know? There's a lot of, like, the scenes are very, like, showy. Like, here's, we've got this character that we really like, and here's a showy scene for her. Yeah. Like, to, to showcase her. Like I felt like a bit, a bit of that. But overall, I found it good. But like I said to you, I was looking at, like, you know, other nominated films this year, and... Like, I really liked The Florida Project. It really sticks in my mind. And I don't feel like this one will stick in my mind as much. Like, I, you know... Agree. A few months down the line, I'll, it'll fade. Like, whereas that one didn't. So, yeah, enjoyable. Thanks to uh, Lionsgate for our Blu-ray that they sent us for review. Next week's uh, Blu-ray review is a completely different movie. It's Geostorm, a big disaster movie. So we're going to look at that next week. And um, movie recommendations. I'm going on the subject of Lady Bird, and a movie that I really, really like about teenage girls is uh, Ghost World, starring Thora Birch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Thora Birch and Scarlett Johansson. Really young Scarlett Johansson, but it really sticks with me, that movie. Steve Buscemi's in it. It is a movie about teenage girls. They're a little bit quirkier than this girl, even. But I felt like the, the bond in that movie... And their friendship. And it's pretty touching. Uh, so I recommend it. It's from what? Long time ago, right? Oh, yeah. But it's really good. And uh, Hannah is my second one because of Cersei Ronan. Um, the first film I'd really seen her in. And it's an awesome film. You should watch it. Hannah. It's actually going to be made into a TV show very soon. But um, it's a action movie, I would say. With a little bit of sci-fi-ish sort of stuff thrown in. It's really good. Yeah. Your recommendations are? My recommendations are, and even though, you know, I'm not in love with this particular movie, I really enjoyed it at the time. Similar to now, or similar to this kind of movie, it's Juno. And another reason why that movie jumps in my head is because I just read an article by Molly Ringwald, you know, someone from my youth, who was in movies who, in my youth, made a huge impact because of the comedy and everything. And she was writing a different take on them which some people may not like, but I totally dug. So I'm going to say 16 Candles and Juno, two different generations of teenage girls, you know, and and whatnot going on around them and sort of the different social implications on both of them and who they're written by and how it comes off kind of like leaks into our culture. And so 16 Candles and Juno. All right. So uh, Games and A Scully stuff this week, I have... Um, that's an interesting story. How much do I like Tron? A lot. Yeah, I'm pretty much a <laughs> Tron super fan, I would say. Really? And over the years, I've always... Uh, I, I love the aesthetic of Tron. I've got a, uh, I've got a few Tron things, like I've got a Tron USB drive that lights up. It's a bike. Got some, I've got a couple of Tron figures. But you, got, you, you would think Tron is a huge, big Disney license. Go and have a look how much Tron items are available. There are very few. Like, Tron is not very well marketed. It's not like Star Wars, like you can find a, a gazillion things to buy. 
there is very little in the way of Tron. So what happened is uh, Lego, they have this program called the Ideas Program. And people, just average people, can submit ideas to this program. And if they get enough, it's a web page, if they get enough uh, upvotes on on a particular project, they look into seeing how viable it would be to make a Lego set of that thing. And these two brothers, called the Brick Brothers UK, they're a YouTube channel, they're big Tron fans also, and they were like, well, Lego and Tron seems to fit together, so let's we'll make some light cycles out of Lego and we'll submit it to this program. This program took off big, like they got a lot of upvotes and eventually Lego took on the program and made a new Tron Legacy Lego kit. So it is two light cycles and it's on like a base. So it's like a, you can display it with a lot of um, Lego stuff. You can't, they're just really for playing with, but this actually comes with a base, which is the grid that they're driving along. But it's two actual light cycles and three minifigures. You get Cora, you get Rinsler, and you get... I always forget his name. Is it Jake? Yep. Finn is his second name, right? <laughs> but um, <clears throat> you get two light cycles. And it was really fun to put... I always forget how fun Lego is to put together. How long did it take to put it together? It's uh, not, about an hour or so. It's not giant or anything. It's a very small... They're very small light cycles. But there are a lot of pieces and a lot of moving parts. Um, but you can get them these Tron if you want some Tron Legacy stuff they look really cool the little minifigures have got the little discs on the back and you can pose them in the bikes Um, you can go and look at this Brick Brothers UK YouTube channel they've got like a bunch of coverage on it because they obviously created it but um, they're only available on the Lego online store or in Lego stores. So you can't get it from Walmart or anywhere like that. It's just exclusive to Lego stores. So if you have a Lego store in your area and you're a Tron fan, which is probably a very niche amount of people, go and pick this up because it is really fun. If you go and look on my Twitter and Instagram, I posted a picture of it finished. So you can go and see it, A Scully, on both of those. been playing more Far Cry 5 this week. I've finished the entire first area, liberated the area. So what's really cool is once you liberate that area of the map and you take away the religious cult, that area of the map is free for you to just roam around. There's no baddies on there anymore because why would they be? You've got rid of them all. So if you want to do hunting, which I was going hunting bears in the mountains, uh, instead of going hunting and being attacked by guys every two seconds, you can like actually go and hunt and not be bothered by it. You can uh, go and fish. The problem I was having with the fishing minigame is I was fishing and then some men would come and try and shoot me while I'm fishing. It's not a very relaxing <laughs> fishing game, you know. No. I'm fishing, but oh, hold on, I'm going to be murdered. I better stop fishing. But now I've cleared that area out. I can fish as much as I like and it's pretty relaxing. So there's three areas on the map. I did the first area. The flatland part It's kind of like Missouri a bit. It's just flat. There's a load of farms. The second area is in the mountains, which I'll be doing next. And then the third area is like, um, seems colder, like snowy. So, um, yeah, I've took one part of the religious cult down. And this religious cult really suck. There's lots of, um, when they're trying to make, make people stay away from their farms and stuff, they've got like people that they've took, sawed them in half and stuck them up on like poles saying, don't come near here. So these guys are assholes. They need to Charming. Take them down. So I'm going to take them down. 
I'm going to do good justice. And the third thing this week is uh, Legion Season 2 um, came on on FX. Legion is a show by Noah Hawley, who is the creator of Fargo, the TV show. And uh, it's a Marvel. It's based on the X-Men. It's a Marvel property. And we watched the whole first season, and I'm really in love with this show. <laughs> what about you? What are you in the... With <laughs> you know, I really enjoy it. Again, it is. Like, I, it takes me to that weird place like Twin Peaks or, you know, something where I'm just sort of lost in it or Black Mirror. It's not the same kind of quality, but it's still... I do feel it as it's a got, Twin It's Peaks got thing. its obnoxiousness because it is a carrot on a string, and I don't like that shit. I want you to... If you're telling me a story, tell me the story. Give me parts of the story to understand and move me forward. Explain what's going on. It doesn't have to be, like, straightforward. You know, I like all kinds of things, even if it's a bit mysterious and I have to think about it. But it's not what's happening in this show. A lot of it's just effect. Which also, if you're just making a show out of effect and you want it to be, like, weird and surreal constantly so that on every every five minutes somebody could just come along and go, oh, Everything you've just seen is fantasy, and now this is real. And then 20 minutes from now, it says, no, that was fantasy. This is real. Wink, wink. It's just, it's bullshit sometimes, even though I love looking at it. Yeah, no. It needs to decide what it is. You're either telling me the story of this guy and give me some breadcrumbs along the way. Yeah, we're actually telling the story of Legion. He is (coughs) Professor Xavier's son uh, from the X-Men. That's not what they're telling you in this show, so don't pretend that that's what they're saying. I mean, saying. that's who Legion is in the comics. Right, right? this so, show does not tell you any of that. Not yet. Well, it, it just hasn't, that's my point. In the first season. It's not telling you this story of this guy. No, but it is. And uh, Noah Hawley is one of the... I can't wait for Noah Hawley to make a movie, because visually, this guy is so impressive. Every single episode of this show, and Fargo... Fargo also was visually impressive, I think. It's like nothing else on TV, I think. Like, this this first episode of season two of Legion had a song and dance number that, in a lot of shows, where would you put a song and dance number? It, it just organically happens, like, in this, this show. And it's right, like, and how does that further this story? No, it doesn't further the story. Okay, but that's visual- my issue, is that I dig it, because it's kind of cool. But, you know, I don't like musicals because often in the song, you're not moving any, they're not doing it correctly where you're just, it's all for effect. Even though it looked cool and I enjoyed the musical number, it needs, it's 10 minutes of a television show that's telling me a story, you know? Yeah. I don't think you should be left the hook just because it looks cool and not, I, you get, it's over with and then you're like, is it, that was cool? But, but this is the what? coolest looking show I have ever seen. I mean, it is like. It, it's, I could watch it like five times in a row. It's it's so right, but that doesn't give any hint that it has any quality well, of story. Yeah, the no. story is unfolding. I don't think that it's not. Right, going- what? <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's just like getting tossed at you a little. It's almost like it, they have to force themselves. To I tell mean, you because story. of the nature of the story being a lot of it being inside his mind. Um, and walking the let's say walking the corridors of his mind, that kind of thing. 
Yes, we are we are talking about a person who this character is supposedly supposed to be mentally ill. Right. So fair enough, you've told me that. We I understand that. But every single episode can't be all about the weird fucking shit in his head. It has to be about telling me about the group of people he's connected with, what problem he has to solve, What's the next phase of his existence? All of this. I mean, we're only on episode one. So. No, we're on season two. Yeah. Episode one, two coming up. So, you know. I'm in love with this show. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> I could look, anything that Noah Hawley does, I, I, please make a movie. I, I'm so looking forward to a movie made by him. And please go back and make more Fargo. Don't leave it alone. This talk that they leave in Fargo alone now because he's busy. But no, please make more fun. No, we've had enough. I mean, let's no. be honest. I mean, you, enough is enough. No, please always make Fargo. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't think I don't like this mentality of entertainment. Sometimes you have to let the thing be good and just fucking get on with your life. Let me say, if you Legion is a Marvel show, it is the most unique of anything that Marvel has ever done. It is unique, yes. Yeah, there and is nothing like this. From I'm always Marvel. entertained, right. but I am not being told. It leaves me very empty. You know, it's just like, I love art, and I can look in something that's so striking, and you're just like, holy shit, that's amazing looking. And then you walk away, and it's gone. It's from your mind. It has no impact. It is a empty, caloric thing for your brain. And I'm not arguing that that's bad or anything, but if they're trying to make a show that has all of the good elements, let's throw a little bit of something else in there, too. I am. Um, I particularly love all the characters in it, too. I like the... There's a mutant that where there's a two mutants that go in... The girl one goes inside the man one. What Do you know what his name is? Hmm. Awesome. That is awesome, that whole thing. Like, <laughs> like she's kind of feisty and fighty. And he's kind of sciency and brainy. Is it Carl? Yeah, and and she sometimes she's annoying annoying to him, <laughs> but she goes inside his body, so it's only him. But she's inside him. And there's all, I also really like. I always forget her name. Sid. Mm-hmm. Like she has the thing where she doesn't like what not touch stuff. She wears gloves all the time. I do like the characters a lot. I think the people who play the characters are really good too. But yeah, I'm looking forward to see where it goes this season and whether we, you know, get Legion to really manifest his whole power, you know? Yeah. So um, that's my uh, stuff for this week. What is for dinner? Tonight, I believe, will be Subway. Subway. Subway or Jimmy John's. America's favorite. I can literally go drive through. So it may be Jimmy John's by the time we're done. Jimmy John's sounds good, actually. It does? Okay, then. Jimmy John's is. It's closer. And it's easier, so... What is your advice? My advice is, and some people aren't going to like this, and some people aren't going to care, and that's fine. But it's funny to me, I don't believe in anything, like any gods or spirits or, you know, cracks in the universe to different planes of existence or heavens or hells or anything. But I can can assure you of this, that that doesn't mean anything. There's no, like, there's no, there's nothing attached to, oh, you don't believe in that, therefore you are this, 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 and this, and I need to save you, or I need to fix you, I need to tell you why you're wrong, 
I need to explain to you why I believe all these things do exist. Because saying I don't I don't believe in anything like that, that's that's it. I don't have an agenda. I don't have a thing where I need you to sit down and contemplate deeply and and then like come around to the way I see it. It's not nothing. There's nothing hidden. It has no meaning and it should have no meaning to you. My behavior doesn't indicate anything that is contrary to someone, you know, thinking that humans deserve some sort of respect. Like I don't go out and just murder everybody, even though I can assure you I am not a people person, (laughs) but I'm not a rampaging murdering person. I have no desire to harm anyone unless they were to harm me or someone close to me. Um, I don't have a, a lack of any sort of ethical thing. Like at work, I don't go around and steal everybody's ideas and take credit for all their shit and like lie constantly in order to move ahead or anything. None of that occurs. It's not a result of not believing in anything. And it's not a result of having ever been taught anything by someone who did believe in something. It just is what it is. So I think people overthink it sometimes. Because if you say to me, well, I, I'm a Christian, I go to church, and I'm just like, okay, whatever. Yeah. That's the end. Of, for me, it means nothing. It isn't a reflection of who you are. It isn't a reflection of anything. It's just a thing you've attached to yourself. But here's the thing. People want it to mean something. They want it to be a, a hallmark of who they are and how they present themselves in the world. And therefore, they think... That's what it means when you say, no, I don't believe in anything, that it's it's an equal billboard, you know, like, da, da, da. <laughs> look at me, I don't believe in this, and therefore we're so different, and I'm so terrible, and you're so wonderful. Like, it just is nothing. So don't, don't overthink it. If you have a friend or somebody who probably hasn't been honest about it, because it's a very, it's a hard road to hoe. That's a hard road to hoe. <laughs> what? Hard road to travel sometimes. When you're on the outside of all that belief and stuff. Um, simply because of people's ideas and the way they think of you. It can be isolating if you let it be. So someone you know might not have ever told you, but you might think, hmm, curious. Because every time we bring it up or it's this or that, that person always doesn't say anything. Maybe you should discuss it and then just be like, okay, we're over it. It's no big deal. Because, you know, yeah, it really isn't. <clears throat> all right. So... That's Sid Talk's two cents. (laughs) No, it isn't. I wouldn't do the two cents thing. I'm not a performing monkey. Larry King does that. It's my two cents. That's fine. I'm not Larry King either. Do you like my Larry King? (laughs) Fantastic. It's my two cents. You sound more like that girl from Australian MasterChef with the vocal fry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So if you want to check out our website, sayschooly.com, sidtalk.com. If you want to look at that picture of the Tron Legacy uh, Lego set that I put together, go to uh, A Scully on Twitter or Instagram, A Scully. You can catch us on Facebook also. You can catch this podcast on the Google Play Store, the iTunes Music Store. You can also catch it on ascully.com slash podcast, and you can subscribe there. You can also, if you've got an... um, Amazon device, you can say your trigger word. We call it the A word, but you know what a name is. And then you can say, listen to the After the Show movie podcast on TuneIn, and it will play you the latest episode. You can also catch us new on YouTube. Just look for the channel ascully.com, or just search for After the Show on YouTube. You'll find us. You can email feedback to me at ascully.com. Don't email Sid Talk. 
And stay classy, Miss Greta Gerwig. I really would like to see what else you can do. Yes, I would like to see more. True. And I'm going to say think for yourself, because if you don't do it, someone will do it for you.